Hi, and welcome to another podcast from The Human Diver, where we are looking to apply counter-errorism techniques in diving. By that we mean human factors and non-technical skills. Our goal is to give you the knowledge and skills so that your dives are safer and more enjoyable. The podcast is a mixture of short podcasts based on the blogs we have, and longer podcasts, which will be interviews or discussion topics. Show notes will be provided so you can dig deeper if you want. Ready to jump in? Human factors at its simplest level is designing, deploying and refining systems that make it easier to do the right thing and harder to do the wrong thing. That thing can be many different things and they are often interdependent. Examples include delivering a theory session in a training class and the students understand the tools and concepts, assembling and using a closed circuit rebreather so that errors are minimized or trapped and designing and deploying a checklist to achieve that. Understanding why divers don't analyze gas, even though we regularly have accidents involving the wrong gas being breathed. Instructors creating an environment where it is okay to ask questions by developing psychological safety. Developing divers and instructors who understand the concepts of leadership and followership and can put them into practice. Designing training materials that are engaging and are focused on the student. Developing standards at a regulator or organizational level that will be more likely to be followed. Understanding an adverse event so that learning, not blaming, happens by understanding the system's nature of such events instead of focusing on the individual. And finally, creating a culture where reporting happens and learning follows on from the structured analysis. Human factors as a science has been around aviation and nuclear power since the 1970s and 1980s when there was a realization that the pilot or plant operator wasn't stupid despite the catastrophic outcome, but they were making sense of the situation they were in given the resources, both physical and mental, to achieve the goals they were being rewarded for. These work environments had often been designed without addressing the limitations of human performance, which included the limits of working memory limited attention span, miscommunication, authority gradient, and confusion with displays and controls. Although the human diver started in January 2016 with the need to fill a perceived gap in knowledge and practice within the sports diving community, some elements of understanding human factors have been around for some time. However, I would argue that they focused primarily on the proximal or local causes of incidents or accidents without looking further into the system's aspects of success and failure. Examples include robust team diving protocols from the WKPP, which then developed into the programs of GUE, UTD, and similar. The accident analysis of Sheck Exley, who developed a blueprint for survival for the cave diving community, and the work of Bezak and Dan with their incident reporting systems, although these primarily focus on outcomes or medical causes respectively, rather than human factors influences. Human factors is a large topic. Research into human factors in railway operations has shown the nested perspective where individual factors are influenced and shaped by much wider organizational, national and cultural aspects. Often HF is perceived to focus on the individual behavior, physical ergonomics and some team or group behaviors. The aviation community have used a framework called Shell, which shows the interdependent nature of the factors which involve the live where, L, the human and how they interact with the systems they are in. H refers to hardware, equipment and technology. E refers to the physical environment. S refers to software, paperwork, processes and systems. And the second L refers to other people, teams and organization. The following four topics are from blogs by Stephen Shorrock, 
a world-renowned human factors expert that look at four different ideas of what human factors is. You can find a link to the first of four blogs in the show notes. The headings and summary are as follows. One, the human factor. This relates to the psychology of humans, agency and intention. Two, factors of humans. This focuses primarily on human characteristics. Three, factors affecting humans. This refers to the internal and external factors which impact human performance. And four, socio-technical system interaction. This covers how people interact within and with the systems and operational, social and technical environments. In a survey which was part of an ongoing research project, 670 people responded to the question, what does the term human factors in diving mean to you? 43% of the respondents said socio-technical systems, in other words, how people, technology, environment and culture work together. 23% said factors affecting humans or affecting human performance. 22% said the human factor, otherwise known as human nature, and 11% said factors of humans or human characteristics. The answers show a diversity that highlights an educational challenge, likely one that exists in many other domains too. If we don't have a common language, it is easy to see why misunderstandings happen. During my presentation at Rebreather Forum 4.0, I made reference to the above and also spoke about what human factors isn't. Some of the topics below come from another series of blogs by Steve. If we want to focus on developing the knowledge and practice within the diving community, understanding what human factors isn't should be considered as important as knowing what it is. Human factors isn't common sense. Common sense is a shared understanding of a certain process, task or outcome between a certain group or community and is developed over time, often through trial and error. In and of itself, it does not exist as a thing. It isn't courtesy and civility at work. Being civil is a decent human activity. It isn't crew resource management, CRM or non-technical skills, NTS. These tools and concepts were developed in the aviation sector in the 1970s following a number of seminal events. For example, Tenerife, United Airlines 173 and the Kegworth disaster. They initially related to communication and assertion in the cockpit but have evolved into creating a shared mental model between operators in a complex adaptive system and dealing with expected threats and ways in which are more likely to happen. Human factors also isn't a cause of accidents. It's easy to attribute human factors as the cause of an accident if we take a linear approach to accident causation. For example, lack of situation awareness, miscommunication or fatigue. However, modern safety science has identified that we construct the causes of accidents based on our perspective. Healthcare in the past has confused human factors with CRM, but has now recognized the need to take a wider systems view, especially when it comes to incident investigation and analysis. Finally, it isn't all about checklists. Checklists are an effective tool to reduce the likelihood of a human error. However, to be effective, they need to be designed with human factors principles in mind and deployed in a social environment that has been developed based on the acceptance of human fallibility. Healthcare has significant evidence to show the value of human factors, but there are many socio-technical and organizational barriers to implementation, and implementing human factors in diving is likely to be harder for many more reasons, not least the lack of organizational frameworks to mandate and monitor the application and development. The human diver delivers education focused on non-technical skills, psychological safety, and a just culture. So why are the programs called human factors in diving?
There is a history to that. In January 2016, when the first program was run, it was called Non-Technical Skills for Divers. However, during class, a number of the students asked what this meant. We have recreational diving and we have technical diving. Does that mean you're going to teach us recreational diving skills? And so I changed the title of the programs to Human Factors in Diving, but I'm gradually moving back to non-technical skills as the level of knowledge within the community grows. The topics we cover in the educational programs are based around the framework of the interdependence between good teamwork, good leadership and followership, good communications, good situation awareness and good decision making, all being affected by stress and fatigue, and the interdependence that exists between the non-technical skills, the impact of performance shaping factors or error producing conditions, and the need for a just culture and the presence of psychological safety. We also touch on the concept that successful outcomes are not just because of non-technical skills and technical skills, but also need to consider the context and sometimes a bit of luck or randomness. I recently watched a presentation by Rich Walker on human factors and team development as part of the GUE Level 3 core program. Rich made a number of very valid points concerning the abstract nature of human factors in diving and the need to talk specifics and give examples. This is something I've highlighted in the past. Human factors is general in nature and specific in application. By this I mean that to put something in place to solve a problem, you have to understand the specific issue rather than provide a general solution. This is why I prefer answering specific questions during classes or online foray, because they mean something to the question asker. If lots of specific answers are provided, it is easy to dismiss them as not relevant to the reader or listener, or it takes more effort to move from one answer to the problem you face. Conversely, if general points are made, then they are dismissed as saying, we already do this or that. This need to focus on specifics highlights a problem for the diving industry. You need to know the topic before you can teach it. I recently sat down with some of the human diver instructors to develop a one-day classroom and in-water class that could be deployed by a training agency at the level of an advanced open water diver or above. The student level course was relatively easy to define and develop, focusing on briefing, debriefing, decision-making, situation awareness and closed loop communications. However, the amount of time needed to develop the instructors was likely in excess of anything a candidate instructor would likely invest if the training was to be more than just reading slides. I was spending time at DEMA with training agency staff trying to work out a solution to this. None of the training agencies have an embedded or explicit human factors or non-technical skills program. Some of their materials will cover some of the topics, but there are still many gaps. Individual instructors will supplement the course materials with their own knowledge, but for human factors, non-technical skills, psychological safety, and a just culture to be prevalent, it needs to be embedded in the agency materials and instructor updates. This is not an insignificant task. GUE has a 30-minute program within GUE.tv that covers some of these topics at a high level. What I would like to do is work with the agencies to produce something like the documents which come from the oil and gas sector. They define what a non-technical skills program looks like, what it should contain, and how to deploy it. In summary, human factors in diving is about making it easier to do the right thing and harder to do the wrong thing in the context of diving. It is about understanding not just the individual behaviors, but also how it makes sense for divers, instructors, dive center managers, and training agency staff to behave the way they do. They are not stupid. They are managing uncertainty and risk to achieve the goals they are being rewarded for, such as having a fun dive while on holiday, 
getting photos of an underwater experience, exploring a wreck or cave, or training a student to pass a class. None of the training agencies have an explicit or embedded program that covers non-technical skills or human factors in diving. Developing such a capability in-house is not an insignificant effort, especially given the training agencies want and need to have unique content to set themselves apart from other agencies. I was once asked will adding human factors courses to the agency increase the likelihood that a dive centre will move from another agency to our own? The simple answer is no. I fully understand the reasoning behind the question. Agencies are there to make money and they need to find a way to be different. There isn't a financial argument for safety and performance in diving given the standards that should be followed. Therefore, deployment of human factors and non-technical skills programs is more about the ethics of safety. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more about what was discussed in this episode, head over to the Human Diver website at thehumandiver.com where you will find details about our education programs, the If Only documentary, the book Under Pressure, and the many, many blogs we have published there. If you think others should listen and learn, consider sharing the link. Thank you.